Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week, we are looking at doubt in The Lord of the Rings. Before we get into our analysis, we do just want to to share our best wishes for everyone out there. It is obviously a very scary time right now with uh, COVID-19. A lot of people are isolated. A lot of people are struggling with working or not working or all sorts of other different kinds of things. And of course, there's tragedies around the world. And so we hope that you're doing well and we will continue to record and put out episodes to provide you some sort of entertainment during this time. And as always, make sure that you reach out to us on social media and and chat with us, especially at a time like now. Well, since we're talking about doubt, do you think that doubt is a bad thing? I know that your knee-jerk reaction is to think, like, doubt, oh no! (laughs) But for me, I don't think that doubt is a bad thing. I think in many circumstances, it can actually be a good thing, because it undermines overconfidence. For example, for me with a Protestant background, doubt is so often seen as a negative thing, but I think doubt in the context of any type of religion or strongly held belief. I think doubt is always a good thing. Maybe not in every way, but to at least engage in sometimes, because if you never doubt, I don't know that you're looking at things critically. And I think it's always important to look at things critically. And the more we analyze things, the more we might doubt how accurate everything is. And we might doubt, yeah, just things that we thought were true or whatever it is. It could even be like statistics, like having a little bit of doubt in there of like, well, where did they get these? You know, how accurate is this for all communities versus some, you know, that those sorts of things I think can be a very healthy form of doubt. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, I certainly am less prone to doubt, I think, than you are. But I also don't necessarily see being critical as being doubtful. I don't think that that's necessarily having doubt in something as it is being precise about what the biases or genesis of something might be. Because when I think of doubt, I think of doubt as something that is typically something that should be earned, where someone has shown you that there are things to be doubted. I guess, but I would argue that we don't start out that way generally. We've gotten to a place now through the good education that you and I have been able to receive that has led us to see these different things with different layers of nuance Mm. and like to seek out these things. But when we just, you know, were 12, did we doubt all of the news sources? Do we, you know, we didn't have that same level. We had, I would think, more trust in systems, more trust in authority, more trust in a lot of things rather than now we have, we don't have the same confidence. Mm-hmm. But I guess, again, that kind of critical doubt of those types of sources to me is different than the doubt that I think I bring to personal relationships where there I feel like it really should be something that is earned, where if someone has repeatedly done something that I disagree with or said things that I believe to be untrue, then that is going to build up doubt. I think I 
tend to give the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. uh, very often for people. You do do um, that. Until they've they've proven that in some way. Yeah, when I'm like, mm, why are they doing that? Their motives might seem a little nefarious. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And, and I don't necessarily think that it's wrong to be doubtful, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something that feels like, I don't know, giving, I guess, in a way to give someone the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel good. And so I tend <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say, like, I trust a lot of people in my life. Sometimes that trust has been betrayed <laughs> in very unpleasant ways. But I'm more likely to doubt when I see certain red flags come mm-hmm. up than than you are. Yeah. I'll be like, that flag looks kind of pinkish. <laughs> I'll be like, it's going to destroy you. <laughs> So that's us in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should move into our conversation about Lord of the Rings. So why don't you start us out with a quote? So this quote happens in two different places. One in the book, it happens during the breaking of the fellowship, the very end of the first book. And in the movies, it happens when they are in the snow traveling up the mountain in the beginning of the second half. If you're watching the extended edition, which is the only thing you should be watching. Going through Karadras. Yes. But this is a quote by Boromir. Is it not a strange fate that we should suffer so much fear and doubt for so small a thing? So small a thing. (laughs) Okay, maybe I'm going to go that So small a thing. (laughs) Like in the movie how it's like, such a little thing. He says the second time. So small a thing. It's got an exclamation point. (laughs) <laughs> but so small, small thing. Small was not in all caps. It's <laughs> so a small thing. <laughs> no, be nothing is in all caps. It's just so small a thing. So small a thing. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> uh, clearly we have been home too long together. <laughs> so, yeah. I always liked this quote. Mm-hmm. I always liked how... Uh, Sean Bean said it in the movie. Yeah, great delivery. Yeah, it was a great delivery. I think that's part of where Boromir, he thinks that they can use it, and he doesn't understand the great fear surrounding it. It is interesting when there is something that is seems like it would be so manageable because it's so small, but it can have such a big effect. Yeah, absolutely. It's also interesting because in the adaptation, in the movies, they move it earlier to start setting a foundation for doubting Boromir. Mm-hmm. Because being able to see his perception of the ring as small and insignificant in these kinds of ways starts you to doubt his loyalty to Frodo or his ability to put aside his ambition and all these other kinds of things. And Well, and you, it pans over to Aragorn's hand that's on his sword, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it's a great moment, yeah, to kind of sow that doubt of, of Boromir yeah. and to show that Aragorn, Frodo, and Gandalf are all feeling that doubt towards Boromir. Yeah. He cares not. <laughs> True. <laughs> Well, let's get into our analysis. What character did you bring? I, funnily enough, brought Boromir. Oh, fun. I know. So I think he's really, I mean, he's an interesting character in general, but I think it's interesting that he's characterized by doubt, basically from the first couple minutes of the council. Hmm. And for this, I don't have maybe 
the greatest memory for how everything turned out in the book because it's much longer and there's a lot more characters involved, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to be using a little bit more of the movie here. Mm -hmm. But the amazing meme that has spread around the world has come from is, you know, one does not simply walk into Mordor and not with 10,000 men could you do this, mm -hmm. right? And he, just from the very beginning, he's like, you can't destroy this in Mount Doom. Like, that's just not something you can do. It's impossible. There's all of the, you know, there's evil that doesn't sleep. There's fumes that are poisonous. How do you think you can possibly do this? And it's right when, you know, they're they're all there trying to be like, yeah, this is what we have to do. Let's gear up. Who's going to volunteer? And he's just like, you can't do it. You're all going to die. And I think that having him from the beginning kind of be characterized that way is really interesting. And it continues to be a part of his character, you know, when they are uh, basically have a bunch of snow collapsed on them. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, this is going to be the death of the hobbits. Like every or so many obstacles that they come across, his first thing is to kind of doubt and even when he's arguing with Frodo, when he tries to take the ring, he's like, you know, you're going to take the ring to Sauron. Like, mm -hmm. he just is riddled with so much doubt. And he has such a hard time hoping in the success of the mission, in the success of Gondor to be able to protect themselves from the armies of Mordor. And I think just so much of it comes from his experience of being and and of leading the Gondorian uh, military, seeing them being constantly like beaten back again and again, and then seeing the numbers dwindle and then, you know, humans and other races just not caring about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably where a lot of that doubt stemmed from. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting because he you're right, he is so defined by his doubt of the other things that we're seeing in the movie. And the one thing that he doesn't doubt, the one thing that he has unshakable faith in being his father and the virtue of the people of Gondor is something that we don't even see until the third book or movie that mm -hmm. he is here representing the white city and talking about its features while everyone else is doubting the virtue of the men of the west he i would not bring the ring within a thousand <laughs> leagues of your city exactly mm -hmm. yeah and you know again it kind of shows him in many ways as an outsider within the fellowship we probably should doubt men in the west yes <laughs> yes true <laughs> Yeah, his doubt, I think, in both ways, his doubt and his lack thereof for Gondor kind of puts him aside from the rest of the Fellowship, who are all there, who believe in this mission, and he doesn't have that same kind of faith and belief. Yeah, I wonder if he actually doesn't doubt Gondor or his father or himself, or if he just feels like he can't, mm. because then he would doubt everything yeah. in the entire world it's the cornerstone of his mm -hmm. paradigm and without it yeah things will crumble so profound <laughs> so wise i do my best <laughs> well what about you what's your plot point i want to talk about the breaking of the fellowship mm. because frodo throughout the fellowship of the ring 
he doesn't exactly love the fact that he's taking on this this journey, right? He does it because he has to, mm-hmm. but not because he thinks that he's necessarily the most capable or the wisest or the most powerful or anything like that. He knows he's not. Exactly. Yeah. And he does this and he knows that he's going to need help, which is why he he requests a guide and he gets the fellowship to, to help him in this quest, although it is his quest. And so much of the latter half of the Fellowship of the Ring is about him slowly losing that trust in in those who he's with. And I see myself in Frodo, you know, talking about how I I like having faith in people. I like giving people the benefit benefit of the doubt and how hard it is for Frodo to know that the ring might lead to betrayals of those people that he's grown to trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that his decision to leave, especially after Boromir has shown that this is the case, but you know, he's not leaving, even intending to leave with Sam, nor Aragorn, nor anyone else that he thinks, this is the person who I can trust. It's that he doesn't want to have that trust betrayed by anyone, and so he has to go alone. And I think that that is such a sad, a sad moment, and shows the strength of character that Frodo has. I don't know if I could make that same decision. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he's deciding to doubt or to have faith in his companions. Like, he's deciding that he cannot continue and trusting them, and maybe you could interpret it as he, or read it as he is choosing to leave while he still has the faith or the trust that he has. Mm-hmm. Well, and also I think part of it is he doesn't want them to have to suffer that either mm. because he heard Boromir, you know, yelling after him. He was sorry or mm-hmm. come back or whatnot. And like, he didn't know Boromir that well. And so if it was Mary or Pippin or Gandalf that tried to take the ring from him, and he knew that a lot of these other people would be able to mm-hmm. if they tried. And yeah, I think he probably did have faith in their character that they wouldn't ever want to do that. Yeah, to see the ring eat away at those valiant, honorable, convicted people would be really difficult too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I just, I think that it's such an interesting moment and especially an interesting moment to have as the climax of a movie, this breaking of faith, this breaking of trust. I see doubt as really show being you know kind of cancerous for the fellowship after Lothlorien when they start to think about and he starts getting gets warned from Gladriel that he needs to be aware and he's known from Gandalf from beforehand that he needs to worry about even internal issues that the fellowship cannot survive for the entirety of the mission mm-hmm. but the one person who even though he himself doubts proves to be loyal and proves to be trustworthy is Sam not to say that Sam could never be tempted. I mean, Frodo is ultimately tempted at the end of the, the, the series. I mean, Sam was tempted by his worldwide garden. Exactly, right? <laughs> but he also has such an overflowing loyalty and love for Frodo mm-hmm. that I don't think that makes him immune, but it does protect him in some ways. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I would never doubt Sam. 
because Sam's the best. <laughs> you only wouldn't doubt Sam because you've seen him throughout the mission. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt him because I saw the ending. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. I admire your faith. Thank you. Well, what's your uh, compelling question? So my question is, where in Lord of the Rings do you see one character having doubts, kind of in contrast to another character or multiple characters, like having confidence or belief in the same thing? Hmm. Well, we talked about Boromir. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one you could talk about is Saruman. Mm. Saruman does not have any confidence that they can stand against Sauron, that he says there's no defeating the army of Mordor, and so you have to join with them. And he ultimately makes the decision without talking to the rest of the White Council, without discussing with these people who are making this last-ditch effort. And whether they have faith that it will work or not, they know that this is the only path forward. And that they have at least enough confidence in that it being the right thing to do, that they are going to go forward with it. And yeah. Saruman does not have that. Well, at least not in the movies, right? In the books, he was like, bring the ring to me. Right, yeah, he basically <laughs> wanted to be guard. the new Sauron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely in the movies, like, no, you can't fight this. Mm -hmm. So you might as well not die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's one. Uh, looking at the Hobbit, you could think about Gandalf's confidence in Bilbo and Bilbo's lack thereof. That's true. <laughs> Where Bilbo doesn't like people kind of patronizing him, but at the same time, he's also like, why am I here? <laughs> That's a good question, Bilbo. I think because some deception happened. <laughs> yeah, basically. People thought you were the burglar. <laughs> you knew you weren't, and y'all went along with it. <laughs> true so yeah so those are, those are the two that that come to mind early what what uh what were you thinking yeah so i was thinking about sam and frodo in terms of Gollum. Hmm. sam basically doubted Gollum's loyalties from the very beginning mm -hmm. and was like no we should just tie him up and leave him whereas frodo had some doubts but still chose to trust him and i think it reached an even greater depth for him because Frodo, he really wanted to believe that someone could come back to themselves after mm. having the ring. And so he chose to, and in some ways had to not doubt Gollum because it's the only way he could not give up. But Sam was like, no, don't trust him. <laughs> don't do it. Mm -hmm. And was, and, and, that was partially the problem, right? That Sam always doubted it. He never treated him, the Golem, well. And that contributed to him being proved right. Mm. And I also was thinking about, and this is from the movies since Arwen isn't really even in the books besides appendices. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Aragorn doubts his ability to not succumb to what he considered the weakness of his race or mm. um, of his his family line and doubted his ability to be able to 
not turn to greed for power like his ancestors had. And Arwen just has this like unshakable confidence that he would face the same temptations and be able to defeat it. Mm-hmm. And slowly Aragorn is like, okay, I'll walk towards the ring and close his hand over it. Okay, I'll take the shards of Narsil that you've reforged and okay, I guess I'll be king. <laughs> so, and again, this is movie version, but yeah, they just had such a different perspective on him. Which yeah. is kind of like you. You doubt yourself a lot of times and I'm like, what, what, why? Oh, well, that's just because I'm awful. No. Um, <laughs> but book Aragorn, funnily enough, does agree to those things as well. He just does the same things all at Elrond's house, all while he's still in Rivendell. He gets the forged sword while he's in Rivendell, and he gets offered the ring by Frodo, and he says, no thanks, while in Rivendell. <laughs> so he just, he gets through it all much quicker. <laughs> but he didn't seem to really doubt himself. He was always like, yeah, I will be king someday. It's just not the right time yet. Yeah, I I saw, when I was looking for the quote for this week, I saw someone online mention that he never doubts his destiny in the books, though he does sometimes doubt his choices. And I think that's mm. a really good way of putting it. So thanks to you, Tolkien forum poster, <laughs> for saying that. <laughs> but yeah, because he does, you know, after Gandalf basically puts him in charge, there is some things where he's like, should I follow Frodo? Should I go after Marion Pippin, right? He, he's not sure. But that doesn't mean that he doubts his destiny as the king of... Gondor and, and yeah. LSR and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of lastly, one that I was thinking was interesting is how Gollum trusts Frodo at the same time that Faramir did not. Mm. And that led to Gollum losing his faith in Frodo because he thought that Frodo betrayed him. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you never have faith in anyone. Are you talking to me? I think you should be talking to yourself. That's true. <laughs> well, what about you? What is your compelling question? Uh, I wanted to know how you see the ring intersecting with doubt. Hmm. That's interesting. I think we could definitely read it as affecting Boromir. Mm-hmm. And his feelings of doubt and like, no, the only option is to use this. That would be a really nice sly way for the ring to get what it wants. Mm-hmm. I, I do kind of wonder how the ring affected Gollum over time. Mm. He was exiled from his community, right? But that didn't mean he had to go into complete isolation. There would have been the potential that he could have gone to a different community. But, you know, he basically just went into a cave and lived there in complete isolation. And, yeah, I I would kind of wonder if the ring had something to do with, like, not wanting him to go into complete isolation, because that's not what it wants, but, like, fostering some seeds of, like, doubt and that he wouldn't trust other people. Mm. But it didn't turn out right for him he took it in a a different way rather than like i don't trust anyone so i'm gonna use this to you know have more power i'm gonna like you know if i'm in charge then i don't have to be as worried about other people but he just went into isolation which was really a different reaction (laughs) yeah those are my initial thoughts what were you thinking yeah i think that you definitely hit on you know 
in particular with Boromir, we see this kind of paranoia being put into people, particularly people who are tempted by the ring, right? Mm -hmm. That others will not be able to use it correctly or others are even using it on behalf of the enemy, whoever they, they see as an enemy. But I also think it's really interesting how the ring, when it tempts people, also seems to erase their self-doubt because Hmm. everyone from Galadriel thinking that she can become this terrible and beautiful queen of the world to Sam having a world full of gardens (laughs) thinks that they can do anything. Yeah, exactly. Use that power and do anything. And they lose all kind of self-limitations. And I think that's a really interesting concept of temptation, where it's a temptation of you no longer having inhibitions or boundaries or anything holding you back from whatever dream you have and whatever you think is best. And you don't have to be limited by your lack of power, other people, anything else, right? The world is yours, essentially. Mm -hmm. And... I can see that being very tempting, not only for those yeah. who are like Saruman or Sauron, who want to control everything and care about order and power, really, but also for those who are more benevolent, who have these dreams of justice and see so much injustice and know that that power could help them create more justice, even if they would themselves ultimately lead to terrible acts. So yeah, I just, I think that that, that's a really interesting form of temptation is this kind of lack of doubt as someone who, as you mentioned, sometimes doubts themselves. (laughs) uh, I can imagine that being highly tempting and and freeing in in these really interesting ways. For Um, sure. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting that like, it also shows the wisdom of certain characters when they aren't seduced by that. So you have Faramir, who, no, he always has the doubt of the ring, and he always Mm. has maybe the doubt of himself. And I think Gandalf also, he's like, no, like, I would want to do something good with this, but through me, it would wield the power terrible for the world. And also, you know, I... I think maybe Frodo has some of that too. Movie Frodo, they did have doubt Sam. Mm -hmm. Book Frodo never doubted Sam. Why would you? (laughs) Yeah. Book Frodo was less affected by Mm. the ring. But up until that very last moment at the gates of Mount Doom, he always had his mission set on destroying the ring Mm. despite all of the temptation to abandon the mission to try to use the ring when the odds look very slim and yeah up until that last moment he always was like nah we can't use this we have to destroy it so yes there are some wise characters and there are others that are a little more susceptible yeah and then your favorite tom bombadil Oh, he already Tom. doesn't have any doubts, so there's Tommy, no Tommy, no tempt, Tommy. no temptation for him to lose any doubts because he already he's fine. He has all the confidence in the world. Yeah, he's Tom Bombadilio. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, what's your missed opportunity? 
So my missed opportunity is that I really would have liked to have seen Gandalf doubt his own judgments for at least a while after having been betrayed by Saruman. Mm. Because he trusted him and he went and he told him everything, you know? And they could have gotten so much farther along if he hadn't done that. Mm. And who knows, maybe Boromir wouldn't have even died. You know, there all sorts of things could have been different. So yeah, I, I would have really liked to have seen him doubt his own judgments sometimes because yeah. of that really emotionally scarring occurrence that also had really severe consequences for everyone involved yeah absolutely yeah that'd be that'd be really really interesting what about you my missed opportunity is actually kind of going back to our discussion about people not having faith in humans anymore the idea of the the people of Gondor being inherently unable to utilize the ring in just ways or wise ways. That the, the, the people, the men of the world, in Elrond's words, have failed, right? They've grown weak and they are no longer to be trusted, especially after Sildur's betrayal thousands of years prior. And so I think that it's really interesting to see that, but I would love to have seen more of how this type of doubt of entire communities and cultures and societies is created and maintained. Mm -hmm. And we also see a bit more of that with the dwarves. We see a lot of it with the races of humans. We don't see, I think, enough of it with the elves, frankly, because especially in the movies, elves are just perfect in frustrating ways. But yeah, I just, I think it'd be really interesting to see these kinds of, in a time of turmoil, when awful things happen more and more commonly, how that leads to disappointment and doubt in other communities and feelings of isolation or betrayal or whatever else it might be. For sure. I think, yeah, maybe that'll be my takeaway that seeing Elrond's reaction because of one instance with one man doing the wrong thing and that clouding his perception of that entire race that's something that happens all the time in our world right one thing happens that you don't like or that you know could be violent or abrasive or whatever it is mm -hmm. from someone from a different culture or a different race and suddenly everyone from that culture or race you doubt all of them because of that which is just ridiculous it isn't logical and it's obviously yeah just turns into this big prejudice yeah elrond yeah oh wrong <laughs> well done <laughs> what about you what's your takeaway i think my takeaway is that humility is so important in i think tolkien's perception in in his creation because yeah the people who are able to resist temptation and ultimately to help destroy the ring are those who are not arrogant or overconfident, mm -hmm. who are able to resist temptation of taking power because they know what's best. They inherently understand that they may not always know what's best and absolute power in anyone's hands is not 
going to be just. What if it's in my hands? You know, you'd say that. <laughs> so yeah, I just I think it's interesting to to kind of see self doubt in some ways being virtuous when it's done in a wise way for characters in Lord of the Rings. Hmm. Well, interesting. Maybe I would reframe it to be maybe humility is the counter to both overconfidence and self-doubt. Oh. 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 See, this is why I should have all the power. Isn't that Aristotelian (laughs) virtues where all the virtues are perfect mediums between two extremes? That sounds right. Yeah. So humility is the perfect medium, the virtue between the extremes of self-doubt and overconfidence yeah because self-doubt you can doubt yourself in ways that you shouldn't be doubting yourself because it's not actual it's not a real reflection of a person's capabilities or intentions or any of that Mm. whereas humility is it's knowing both the things that you do well at and the things that are challenges for you and operating in the world with the knowledge of those things that's great i love that Oh, yay. (laughs) All right. Well, why don't you bring up what we'll be talking about next week? Okay. So next week, we are going to be going back to the Hunger Games. Hooray. We are going to look through the theme of passion. Great. Steamy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it could be that way, or it could also just be like, I'm passionate about baking. Yeah, his art. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's not get into it. (laughs) Okay. We'll get there next week. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. As always, you can find us online by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, or Twitter. Or you can go to our website at bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines. You can also find us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. It's never a bad time to support your free entertainment during a time when we're losing income. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yep, yep. It's also a great time to support Kimberly Teo Pastel at Lacelet, who designed our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, it's a great time to send a letter to those who you love, and I'm sure they'd love to get it. So buy a card from, from Lacelet. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek, geek out! out.